But when I really have my eyes fixed on Jesus and know that He's the one who fulfills the deepest, deepest part of me, that contentment really is a byproduct of that. Well, I first came to Christ in, um, I was about eight years old, and there was a CEF five-day club in my neighborhood, and I um, attended that and prayed to receive Christ. And um, even as a, a young believer, you know, young child, um, I still, there were good news clubs in my neighborhood, and there were, you know, neighbors across the street who would take me to Awanas, so I was very fortunate to um, have people pour into my life pretty early. Uh, I think um, just having um, so many people kind of uh, disciple me as a young child helped get a good foundation for me. I think um, I never had that time of questioning uh, there wasn't a God or that it wasn't true. I think I just um, I, I learned those foundational things relatively young. Um, and once I got into high school, I started coming to youth group here at Big Valley and, um, and, and understood to a certain degree um, as salvation. But I think it wasn't until my probably early 20s I understood surrender. Just being given all that I don't necessarily deserve. Um, but in a real, like, um, tangible way, I have just kind of come out of a season of loss where I've had one loss after another. And um, to, to realize that even in those places of loss, um, His presence is so real that the peace that, that He says He gives, He does. Um, even down to tangible things that um, just in maybe the loss of my father who always took care of certain things for me. God always provided another person to come and do that. And it's those, those things of grace that um, I, I, I really can get to that place where I go, whether I have nothing or everything, He really is sufficient. He really is the thing that fulfills every need or desire that I have. And I, I don't think I would have really understood that if I hadn't had gone through a season of loss and realized that all the things that I hold dear to are, aren't really the things that um, sustain me, that it really is His presence and the relationship with Him that does that. Roberta's one of the neatest people you will ever meet. She actually works here at Big Valley Grace. Uh, she's the administrative assistant to our, our worship de department, and she really set up well what I, I want to talk about uh, today, and that is how you can experience true contentment in your life. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, all scripture, okay, the Bible, the verses that we're going to look at today are inspired by God and are useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It, the scriptures, corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses the Bible to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. King David in the Old Testament said this about the Bible. In Psalms 19, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. In other words, the Bible is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. In other words, the, the Bible is trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. In other words, the Bible is right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant. In other words, the Bible is radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord, the scriptures, are sure and altogether righteous. The Bible is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. The scriptures are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And by them, by the scriptures, by the Bible, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Those are some 
some powerful words. And this week, I, I spent some time just reading that over and over again, just taking Psalms 19 and those few verses there and just recognizing how incredibly powerful and special these words are between these two leather-bound covers. It's why we encourage everyone to spend time reading the Bible every day, multiple times throughout the day. In fact, there's not a day that doesn't go by in my life that I don't encourage somebody to get their nose in the Word of God, read the Word of God. Every counseling appointment that I have usually will end with me saying, listen, you need to spend time in God's Word. You need to make sure that throughout the course of the day that somehow these words are like food to you. It's why everything we do around here at Big Valley Grace revolves around the Bible. Right now, over in our children's ministry, they're, they're teaching our kids the historical truths of Scripture. They're teaching our kids about the Bible. Uh, right now in our junior high ministry, uh, 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 Pastor Phil is, is teaching our kids, our junior hires, the historical truths of this book. Wednesday night when our young people meet, our teenagers meet, it's all about the Bible, helping our kids understand that this book was written by God and God has something to say to them in their lives. Everything we do here revolves around the scriptures. It's why every Saturday night, Sunday morning, like we are now, we spend time reading it, trying to understand how we can apply it to our lives. You see, the Bible is like no other book. There's no other book on planet Earth like, like the Bible. It's God's word to us. Now, if you're visiting with us, we're in a series here where we're going through the book of Philippians together, and each week I take a few verses from this, and I, and I read it, and I try my best to unpack it for you so that you can see how you can apply it to, to, to your lives. And so with this said, I want to read our text for today, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, and let's see what God might have to say to us. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. Paul had wrote this letter to a group of believers, a church in a town called Philippi. And the reason why he wrote the letter, one of the reasons why he wrote the letter is because this group of people were concerned about him. And he says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. And then he says in verse 11, not that I've ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything, Paul says, through Christ who gives me strength. And we're going to stop right there. 46 years ago, in 1965, the Rolling Stones released a song called, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I know nobody in this room has heard of it. <laughs> How many of you have heard of the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? I'll tell you what, I got on the internet and YouTube this thing, and I was watching Mick Jagger. The guy's 120. And it was unbelievable. They just pump him full of, like, embalming fluid or something, and there he was, strutting up on the stage, singing this song. It was unbelievable. And I thought to myself as I was listening to the lyrics, you know what? That could be the theme song for a lot of people today. A lot of Christians today. I meet a lot of Christians who, for whatever reason, just can't get any satisfaction in life. They complain about having an unfulfilled life. They complain about being unhappy in life. They complain about being unsatisfied in life. They have zero contentment in their life. I heard a, a great story that I think will help you maybe understand the message a little bit more. And it's the story of William Randolph Hearst, who was a multimillionaire. And one of the things that he spent a lot of his money on was collecting rare and expensive art. He, he collected art from all over the, the world. Well, one day, Mr. Hearst read about this really rare and valuable and beautiful piece of art in a magazine, and he wanted it. He had to have it. All the other stuff he had just 
wasn't, wasn't bringing him any satisfaction. He had to have this really expensive piece of art. So he sent one of his agents literally all over the world looking for it so that he could buy it. And he basically said, look, I'll pay any price. I don't, I don't care what it costs. I got to have that piece of art. Well, after searching for this piece of art for months and spending lots of money to travel around, you know, and all that kind of stuff, uh, this agent came to Mr. Hurst and told him that he had finally found it. He said, Mr. Hurst, you already own it. <laughs> this priceless piece of art was stored in none other than one of Mr. Hurst's own warehouses. Here's this multimillionaire searching all over the world for a treasure he already possessed. And I don't know why God led me to that story. I don't know, but I was reading it and I thought, wow, that's unbelievable. And I said, God, what does that story mean to me? What are you trying to tell me, God, in that story? As I read it, I thought to myself, you know what, that's exactly how a lot of Christians are. They possess some of the most incredible treasures by virtue of their relationship with Jesus Christ, and yet they don't even realize they have them. The Bible says in John chapter 1, but as many as received him, as many as gave their life to Christ, as many who put their trust in Jesus Christ, and as many as surrendered their life over to Jesus Christ, he gave those people the right to become children of God. And then the great apostle Paul gives us a little bit more detail to this. He says, and since we are his children, since we are God's children, we are his heirs. Christian, you and I are heirs to the treasures of God Almighty. And one of those treasures is the ability to be content, to be satisfied with your life. And make no mistake about it, that is a treasure. And some of you have yet to find it. It is an absolute treasure to be content with the life that you have, to be satisfied with the life that you have. Now, what exactly is it? What exactly is contentment? Well, let me, let me give you a simple definition. Contentment is the ability to be okay with whatever you have, wherever you have it. Contentment is the ability to be okay with whatever you have, wherever you have it. Now, why, why is it so hard? for us to be content? Why is it so hard for, for us to be okay with whatever we have, wherever we have it? We'll look at verse 11 of, of, our, of our text here. Paul gives us a, a little bit of insight. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. One version says, I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. Beloved, the first thing I want you to notice is that contentment is something you have to learn. And the reason you have to learn it is because it's not something that comes natural to us. Because of our sinful nature, our, our inclination is to be unsatisfied with our lives. And so we have to learn to be content. You see, the Bible tells us that God created us in the very image of God. God uh, made you. He created you. You're unique in all of the things that God has made. But Genesis chapter 3 records a moment when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They, they sinned against God, and, and that sin then was passed down to all of us. And so we have this thing called a sinful nature, an Adamic nature. The Bible calls it the old man. But because of that moment, because sin entered the world, it is not natural for us to be content in our lives. So we have to learn how to be content. So how do you do it? How do you learn to be okay with whatever it is you have, wherever it is you have it? Well, let me give you a couple thoughts. 
that, that I think will help you. Okay, and it begins right here, number one. True contentment, okay? True contentment begins with a relationship with God. That's where it all begins. That's the starting point to being okay with whatever it is you have, wherever, wherever it is you have it. The Bible says this in, in Psalms 59. The Bible says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Beloved, your sin had a cataclysmic impact on your life. It separated you from God. The God who created you while you were in your mother's womb. The God who knitted you together just the way you are. The God who longed to have a relationship with you. Something horrible happened in Genesis chapter 3, and that was Adam and Eve sinned. And that sin then separated you from the relationship that you had with God. And we've all experienced that separation. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, the truly righteous man attains life, but he who pursues evil goes to his death. The Lord detests men of perverse heart, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. And then the Bible says this, be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. Beloved, your sin, your rebellion against God comes with a high price. Not only did it separate you from God, your creator, but it also brought his punishment upon your life. And it's hard to have true contentment when God's ticked off at you. It's hard to experience true contentment when you and your creator have a problem. I want you to think about your own life. It's hard to have contentment in your home when there's problems between family members, huh? Hard to experience contentment in your home when you and your spouse are at odds with one another. Hard to have contentment in your home when you and your children are at odds with one another. Well, I want you to know it's impossible to experience contentment on this planet when there's tension between you and God. But I want you to know, there's good news. Our brother James said this. He said, Abraham believed God. Abraham put his trust in God. Abraham surrendered his life to God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Whoa. Whoa. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we've been made right in God's sight by our belief in Him, by trusting in Him, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Beloved, whenever anybody enters into a relationship with Jesus, they no longer live under the punishment of God. Sin messed up everything. Sin separated us from God. It brought the punishment of God upon our life. But it's through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, that that separation is now ended, and now we become friends of God. Last hour in our gathering, there's a great song that we sing, and it goes, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He knows my name. And you know what? I can sing that song. Because it's truth. I am a friend of God, not because I'm a good guy, not because I do all the right things, not because I come to church, not because I preach the Bible, not because I, you know, give an offering. None of those things make me right with God. What makes me right with God, what makes me a friend of God, is that I've invited God's Son into my life. And so I could stand in this room and sing, I am a friend of God. Because I know the Lord Jesus Christ as, as my Savior. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 5, Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his Son, while we were still his enemies, 
We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Beloved, that's the good news. And it's not good news if you don't understand the bad news. And the bad news is is that your sin messed up your relationship with God. Your sin brought the punishment of God upon your life. But the good news is, is that you can be a friend of God. Your sins can be forgiven. Your relationship with God can be restored. And that's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the first thing that you have to learn or understand if you want to experience true lasting contentment is that it begins with a relationship with God. And let me tell you something. For some of you, that's the decision you need to make here today. For some of you over in the venue, that's the decision you need to make. Some of you right now are listening online, and we have hundreds of people that are listening right now. Some of you, that's your decision you need to make. Is that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. In fact, last night and last hour, I brought people into that altar room, and I met people in that altar room. These are all the folks who all gave their life to Christ. And you know what? In a little while, I'm going to give you the chance to walk into that room and go from being an enemy of God, to go from having the punishment of God in your life to being a friend of God, to restoring your relationship with Him, and then the, beginning the process of really living a satisfied life, a life of true, true contentment. Number two, true lasting contentment comes from the understanding that God is all-powerful and in control of your life. Verse 11, Paul says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with what I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Beloved, Paul had learned that God was all-powerful and in control of everything, which included his own life. Now, how do I know this? How do I know that Paul had learned that God was all-powerful and in total control of everything, which included his life? Well, look at verse 13 again. Paul says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I can. Not, I I think I can do everything. Or man, I I hope I can do everything. Paul doesn't say that. He makes a definitive statement. I can do everything. I can, I can, I can. And the reason why he said I can is because he knew how powerful God was. He knew that God was in complete control of everything. And that included his life. And that brought him great contentment that he knew that he had learned just how powerful God was. Paul knew that whether he was hungry or stuffed, God was all-powerful and in control of his life. Paul knew that whether he was flat, broke, or wealthy, God was all-powerful and in control of his life. Paul knew that whether he was in prison or walking free, God was all-powerful and in complete control And when you know that God is all-powerful and in control, I mean, you really believe it, you really understand that, I guarantee you that you'll experience a greater sense of contentment in your life. You'll be okay with whatever you have, wherever you have it, because you know God, and you know his power, and you know that he's in control of your life. Here's the... Here's the bottom line. Your ability to to be content is governed by one of two things. The circumstances of your life or your confidence in God. It's one of those two. If contentment, satisfaction is somehow governed by what happens out here, you know, whether you got a lot of dough or whether you're flat broke or whether your stomach is full of food or whether you're, you're hungry uh, or whether you're free or in prison or whatever, if, if your contentment is based on circumstances, forget it, you'll never be content. Never. Never. 
But when you really have confidence in God, when you understand how powerful he is and how in control he is of everything, let me tell you something. Wow, that's where contentment comes from. Listen to what the Bible says about God. I want some of you to really learn a few things here. The Bible says the Lord has set his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over everything. God's kingdom rules over everything. It rules over everything. Beloved, nothing can stop God. No person can stop God. Satan and the demons can't stop God. Circumstances can't stop God. The government can't stop God. Nothing can stop God. You can't stop God. God is absolutely sovereign. He rules over everything. He controls everything. In fact, let me give you just a little taste of what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 29, it says this, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb. God is sovereign over the womb. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're told that the Lord had, had kept a gal by the name of Hannah from having a baby. In other words, the Lord closed her womb. That's power. That's being in control. God controls the womb. He opens it and he closes it. He's all powerful. In Job chapter 14, it says, you, God, have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live and we're not given a minute longer. Beloved, God is sovereign over death. He controls death. He controls your death. He knows exactly how long you're going to be alive. Exactly. You don't have a clue. But God does. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. God is sovereign over the gifts and the talents, the abilities that you have. Proverbs chapter 21 says, The Lord can control a king's mind as he controls a river. He can direct it as he pleases. The Lord is sovereign over your thoughts. He controls your thoughts. For about 20 years here, I was a youth guy, and we would always take kids down into Mexico over Easter break. We still do. And we would have a caravan of, you know, I don't know, 20 vans and, and motor homes and you know, rigs to take all of our food and all of our stuff down there. And whenever we got to the border crossing going into Mexico, that was always a moment when we would pray, God, you hold the hearts of kings in your hands. You're all powerful. And so, Lord, right now, what we need you to do is just have those border guards go like this. Come on, come on. And you know what happened 99.9% .9 of the time? We'd get there with this big caravan of vans and kids and massive humanity. And this is what would happen. And I just believe that God was just having these guys go like this. And they didn't even know why they were doing it. But I did. Because God's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He controls everything. He controls your thoughts, your actions. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 33, the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations, thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. A.W. Tozer said this, quote, God is absolutely free. No one can compel him. No one can hinder him. No one can stop him. God has the freedom to do as he pleases, always, everywhere, and forever. And now you know why Paul said in verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see, Paul knew God. He had learned how powerful God was. He knew that God was in control of everything. That the Greek word for strength there is the word dynamite or, or dynamo. A dynamo is something that gives continual energy. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ is the dynamo in my life. He gives me continuous energy. I'm confident and capable to cope with the circumstances of life because I draw on Christ's power within me. Now, Scripture records for us a really interesting season in Paul's life. In 2, Chronicle, or 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. Paul writes, 
to this group of believers. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And we think that was his eyes. He, he wasn't able to see very well. And we know that from some of his writings. And so we think it's his eyes he's talking about. I don't know. It, it could have been a bad hip. It could have been something else. And then he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Three different times I went to God and prayed, God, take this, you know, this thorn in my flesh away. And each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Here's the great apostle Paul who maybe he couldn't see very well. Maybe, you know, he had a bad hip or, or his arm was out. And he's thinking to himself, man, if I could just see better, if I didn't have this trick, you know, hip, if my elbow didn't hurt, if I didn't have this arthritis, you know, if I, whatever it was, God, just take it away. And wow, would I be able to do great things for you? Then I, I'd really be able to make a mark for you, you know, if you just take this away. And God says, Paul, you don't get it. My grace is all you need. I, I, I don't need you to have 20-20 vision. I don't need for you to be able to, you know, run a marathon. I don't need for you not to have a bad elbow or bad fingers. All you need is my power in you. And watch what I do with my power in you. And, of course, we can sit back now 2,000 years later and go, wow, did God use Paul? <laughs> even with whatever that thorn was in his flesh. And you know why God used Paul? Because Paul had learned that God was all-powerful and that God could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it. And he was content with that. Beloved, whatever it is that God wants you to do, you can do it. Whatever God's will is for your life, you can do it. The circumstances of your life should have zero impact on your ability to accomplish whatever God's will is for your life. Why? Because God is sovereign. Just like he gave Paul the power and the strength he needed. He'll give that to you. When your kids are going nuts after school, you can handle it with Christ by your side. When the stock market, you know, tanks and you see your retirement disappearing, you can handle it with Christ by your side. When you get bad news from the doctor, you can handle it with Christ by your side. When you're afraid of taking your, your driver's test or maybe passing the bar exam or maybe you're a police officer and you want to take the sergeant's test or whatever, you can handle it with Christ by your side. When your spouse, you know, breaks their vows, you can handle it with Christ by your side. Some of you have crummy tongues, you, you cuss and you use just really bad language. You know, you can master that with Christ by your side. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, you know, I, I had a horrible tongue. I, I used to cuss and cuss. I, I could put like eight cuss words together and make it sound cool, you know. Just, just rolled off my tongue. The Bible says though, don't let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And literally, the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, bam, my language changed. It was unbelievable. My language just changed. Boom! Now, there were some other things that didn't change. There were some other things that I wrestled with and struggled with. The reason why God didn't change them all automatically is because he knew I needed brothers in my life. He wanted me to partner up with some, some people, the, the Gibsons, people who would help me, and I would build relationships with, with people. Some of you, you know, your struggle with your weight, you can handle it with Christ by your side. Some of you have a bad habit, you can handle it with Christ by your side. Some of you have got drinking problems. You can handle it with Christ by your side. Some of you are goofed up with porn. You can handle it with Christ by your side. Paul said, I can, I can do everything. I can do what he says. And you know why? He knew he could do it because he understood how powerful God is. 
And I want you to know, I don't care what it is you're wrestling with, you can master it with Christ by your side. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Rick, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God over and over again for his help, but I just can't seem to get a handle on my tongue. I just can't get, get a handle on my anger. I can't get a handle on my drinking. I can't get a handle on overeating. I, I, I can't get a handle on what, whatever it is, my, my porn problem, whatever. And beloved, I want you to know I get it. I know that sometimes it's hard to master some crummy thing in our lives. I know it's hard, but it's not impossible. Because you can do everything with Christ who gives you strength. You can. I know it's hard. Listen, our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, which meets here on Tuesday nights, is all about getting you to focus on Jesus Christ and his power in your life. Amen. And some of you, you know what? <laughs> I, I know you've prayed. I know. And you'll pray today, oh, God, help me with this, and God, help me, please help me. And for whatever reason, man, you're just struggling. And maybe it's because God wants you to come and build relationships with some other guys or some other gals that you would see your need to do life with others. And all he's waiting for you to do Let's say, you know what? Count me in. And boy, our Celebrate Recovery Ministry is all about getting you to focus on the God who lives within you, the God who is all-powerful, the God who is in complete control of everything. And let me tell you something. We watch God here every week transform lives. People begin to master some of these things that, that they've just struggled with for a long time. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we now have this light shining in our lives. That's Jesus Christ. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Listen, this is a church that understands that we are but jars of clay. We understand but, that we are but dust. We understand that we have a sinful nature. And so sometimes it can be very difficult to master some of the sins in our lives. We get it. Sometimes it's, it's hard. But this is also a church that understands how powerful God is and how great God is and how in control God is. And so on the one hand, we are but jars of clay, we're but dust, and it's difficult at times to master some of the things that have kind of gripped our lives. But let me tell you something, we're also a church that knows how awesome God is and celebrate recovery on Tuesday nights a place. I'm telling you, you want your life to be transformed, you block out that hunk of time and you come down here and join. There's literally hundreds, I don't know, four or five hundred people here and they sing and worship and then guys get together with guys and girls get together with girls and they're just honest about their lives and they say, man, this is the thing that's just bugging me. I wish I could get a uh, handle on my tongue. I wish I could stop drinking. I wish I could stop overeating, whatever it is. And then there's this moment of encouragement and prayer where all of a sudden we get your eyes up on the Lord. I'm telling you, I guarantee you, that you can do everything with Christ by your side, with Christ who gives you, you, you strength. You can't do it. Now, it may take a group of people. And some of you need to take, a, take advantage of that. Listen to what Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. That was important to Paul, that people would understand how powerful God was and how great he was, that they would learn these great truths about God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are rich in glorious inheritance. And then he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul says, look, Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that you would really understand him. 
I'm praying that you would really understand how great the power source that's in you. And then he says, here's how great it is. The power that's in you is the same power that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead. That's power. And here's the deal. Too many Christians don't get it. They don't understand how powerful God is. They don't understand how, how, how in control he is of everything. And that means that we got a whole lot of people who know God, but they just don't have any contentment in their life. They're not satisfied. They're not okay with what they have, wherever it is that, that they have it. Number three. True lasting contentment comes when you learn to surrender your life over to God. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your life leads to life and peace, contentment, satisfaction, you see. Beloved, it's one thing to really believe that God is all powerful and to believe that God is in control of everything. I know a lot of Christians who believe that God is all-powerful, you know. I believe that, you know, he's in control of everything. But it's a whole other thing to say, God, I'm going to surrender my life over to, to you. And that's where a lot of Christians kind of get hung up. They believe in God. They believe the Bible. They believe he's all-powerful. They believe he's in control of it all. But I'm not going to give my life over to him. I'm not going to surrender my life over. If you're a Christian, you need to understand something really important. The real reason your mind is in turmoil, the real reason your mind is full of anxiety, the real reason you're not content with your life is because you're fighting a war with God in your mind. You're fighting over who's going to be in control of your life. And when you have that fight going on in your mind, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never have contentment. You see, every day you wake up, you got a decision to make, and that's this, literally, Who's going to be in charge of my life today? Christian, listen to me. Every moment you wake up, I don't care if you gave your life to Christ yesterday or you've walked with God for 30 or 40 years, every believer, when they wake up in the morning, has a decision to make. Who's going to be in charge of my life? It's either going to be me and my will, my desires, or God. Your flesh is going to be in control, and that just leads to death and uncontentment, or God, you are going to be in charge of my life. And that's a decision you have to make every day, even as a believer. And when you choose yourself, when you choose to be in charge of your own life, you're really choosing to play God. And when you make the choice to play God, you're going to be at war with the real God. And there's no contentment when you're at war with the real God. Christian, the reason why some of you are here and you're going, man, I'm just not content with my life. I'm just not satisfied with my life. I just don't have a lot of happiness in my life, you know. It's because you're at war with the real God. You've made the choice that your will and your plans and your desires trump God's. And so there's this turmoil that's going on in, in, in your head. Well, I remember when I was a kid, Muhammad Ali was like just the greatest boxer, and he'd always walk around, you know, and, man, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. I remember in 1996, he was chosen to light the Olympic torch in Atlanta. And when they handed him the torch, he could barely hold it, and he could barely light the torch because he had a horrible case of Parkinson's disease. You can actually watch it on a YouTube thing. Well, later they interviewed him, and this is what he said, he said, quote, God gave me Parkinson's so I could remember that I'm not the greatest, but he is. Wow. Now, I don't know who his God is, but I'll tell you what, that's pretty powerful. Beloved, if you want to have a deep, personal, satisfying peace of mind in your heart and soul, you got to recognize that you're not the greatest. But God is. And when you really recognize that and say, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving it to you. You're in charge of my life today, God. 
What's your will for my life, God? I want to follow you, whatever that might be. So here's an application question for you. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Would that describe you? Do you have a real desire to know God? Know what his will is? I mean, do you really desire getting together with God and hanging out with God and talking with God and listening to God? <laughs> you show me somebody who that describes them. They, they, they're, they're like that deer who gets to the brook and is just thirsty and they're just going for it. You ever, you ever been so thirsty and you go into your refrigerator and get a bottle of water just drink it? Oh, man. You show somebody who thirsts after God like that and I'll show you somebody who's satisfied with their life. I'll show you somebody that's okay with whatever they have, wherever they have it. But if that doesn't describe you, wow. You know, I, I really don't thirst after God that much. Ah, you know, I give God my little two-minute devotional in the morning. And then I spend, you know, 30 minutes reading the newspaper. Then, then Mick Jagger and his song is probably going to be your theme song. You're just not going to find any satisfaction in life. It isn't going to happen. For some of you right now, those of you that know the Lord, this needs to be a time of repentance. You walked in here and you know God and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? You've actually been in control of your life this past week, this past month, this past decade. I don't know. And today, in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance just to be quiet and say, God, I, I'm surrendering my life over to you. I know you. you you've made peace with God. Yeah, I, know, I know all that, but you, you've, you've, you've been in control, and you need to repent of that. But then there I also know that there's a, a group of you here, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, never. You know that your sin has messed up your relationship with God, you know it. God has revealed it to you this morning. You know that God's punishment is on your life, you know it. And you know you need to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna give you that chance right now when everybody just to bow their heads, okay? Just bow your heads, close your eyes. And some of you who are believers, just repent of your sin, okay? <laughs> repent of taking control of your lives. And give it back to, to Christ. But for that one person that might be here or over in the venue, this is what I want you to do. You're, you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. If you were to die today, you'd be separated from God forever. The punishment of God would, would be on your life. And you know you need Christ. You know it. You just know it. You can't explain it. Your heart's just beating like crazy and you're just nervous and you don't know what's going on, but you just know you need the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you just to pray this inside your, your, your heart. Just pray it. You've got to mean it. I'm not, this isn't a prayer found in the Bible. It's just a prayer I'm going to make up. But you've got to mean it. You've got to mean this. And God will know whether you mean it or not. Just say this, just say, dear Jesus, I receive you into my life. I want to be one of your children. Cleanse me of my sin. I want to be your friend. I receive you right now as my Savior. Now, while everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, even over in the venue, just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, would, would you just stick your hand up or make sure that, that I see it? I, I'd love to pray for you. Okay, one, two, I have a, a whole bunch of you. Oh, man, yeah, those are, there's just a lot of you in here. Wow. Uh, okay, and I'm sure there's some over in the venue. I'm sure there are. Now, this is what I want everybody to do. Everybody look up here. Everybody look up uh, over in the venue. Here's the deal. It would just be really crummy of me to say, hey, man, that was fantastic, and, and, um, and, and go and have a great lunch and have a great week. 
because you, you, you just did something that is fantastic. And there were, I don't know how many hands, 20, 30 hands that went up in here. And I'm sure there were some over in the venue. In just a moment, those doors are going to open up, and we have a room called the altar room, and, and, then, and, and I'm going to be in there. And I want a chance to, to meet with you. Just want a chance to meet you and shake your hand and hip, hip, hooray, the decision you've just made. Now, I know most of you don't even know what you did, but it's significant. And so we're going to dismiss her in a minute. Pastor Scott's going to pray, and I'm, those doors I just want you to get up and, and make your way into that room. You're going to get up over in the, in the venue and just go out the door and make your way down to the altar room over here. And I'm going to have you fill out one of these cards, and those cards are for me. And I took all these cards home from last night and just spent time praying for these cards, praying for these people. And it's a chance for me to get to know you, for you to get to know me for a moment. And some of you don't have a Bible. And one of the things that we do is, you know, when that little offering goes by and you put your shekels in there, your, your worship to the Lord, we take some of those offerings that you gave to God and we go out and buy his word and put it in people's hands. We, we give out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of Bibles, you know, every month here. And we want to give you a Bible. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about this new relationship you entered into. And if you get it, if you really understand it, giving me five minutes will be no problem. If getting out of here and, you know, being the first one, you know, in line at lunch is the, you know, the thing that you're thinking about, you, you don't get it. You don't get it. And so in just a moment, Pastor Scott's going to pray, and we'll end, and, and then just give me five minutes. Just make your way into that room, and if a friend brought you, just grab them and say, hey, I don't know what's going on, man. I just know I prayed that prayer. I, I, need, to, I need to go in there, and they'll go with you. Come, come in there with you, and, and that's fine. So whether you're in this room or over in the venue, just give me, just give me five minutes over here, okay?